Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anyway, hope you guys are doing okay. Thurston, how's everybody? How's your week been? I hope you've had a good week. Um... Uh, Thanks, Russ, for reading the scripture. And uh, how's everybody doing with the? I, I want to say a word of thanks to Dick Jenkins for the way that he prepares the recording or takes the recording and puts it online every week. This is a wonderful ministry. I'd like to say hi to everybody who is listening to uh, the service this morning on on the internet. And we owe a big debt of uh, thanks and appreciation to. Emily, this morning, for doing the technical uh, arrangements to make it possible for us to be together like this. Right now, I am in Virginia, standing actually on the back porch of my daughter's home, looking at the beautiful trees around me. It's about 95 degrees. It's a hot summer day here and also a a really warm weekend, I know, in, in Illinois. Just like to say thank you for being part of friends and family. Thanks for your support, for the prayers, and for the contributions that each of you make to make the ministry possible. It is um, amazing to me when I think about the way everybody pitches in and helps out, and it's very humbling. I am truly very grateful. Susan and I have uh, often conversed about the way everyone is such a vital part of, of our ministry together. I'd like to say thank you to Susan today for doing the children's uh, ministry and for the other ladies who help us working with the children's ministry. We are saddened today uh, at the news that we've all heard this morning of the tra- tragic and horrendous uh, killings that took place in Orlando last night. And it's it's just a terrible thing that we're living through and dealing with. And uh, we'll be uh, much in prayer for those people who have lost their loved ones. And hopefully something can be done to stop this kind of evil. But now we have to turn our attention to the morning subject, which is friendship. And I would like to say uh, that uh, as I thought about this, like for you to take just a moment and think about who was your first friend. And when I thought about that, I was thinking about who was my first friend. And the first friend that I ever had was a guy named Dwayne Albright. Dwayne Albright. I must have been maybe third grade, fourth grade, when my father had died in Indianapolis and I was eight years old. We moved back to southern Illinois where Mama had been brought up. And uh, I was a new kid in class, you know. We weren't rich or anything, kind of a, kind of a disadvantaged situation. My father had died. My mother was uh, working, I think, at the nursing home, just trying to provide for us. And 
so I wasn't like popular, you know what I mean, with the uh, kids. But there was one guy, one little boy my age, whose name was Dwayne Albright. And for whatever reason, Dwayne and I became buddies, and we'd play together on the playground. Uh, we, I remember that we used to walk down the hallway to the lunchroom together, and we'd put our arm in arm, you know, my arm over his shoulder, his arm over my shoulder, and we'd walk along and skip along and sing. And, and the teachers would say, now, boys, you need to settle down, quiet down, get in single file, you know, but we wanted to just be together. One of the most exciting times in my young childhood when uh, <laughs> there's a bird, beautiful, beautiful setting here. But uh, one of the most exciting times was when I received a, a message that Dwayne's mother was going to bring him to town and we were going to be able to play on Saturday, all day on Saturday. So it turned out that Dwayne came to town. He came to my house and we went to uh, play basketball down the street at Jim Rich's basketball court, and then we went uptown and got a Coke or an ice cream cone. I still remember that so well. So my first friend was named Dwayne Albright, and he and I were friends for, I think, two years, and then he and his family moved away. And so early on, I learned that friends are sometimes seasonal. You know, you have a good friend, you have them for a while, and then and then you move, or they move, and so you find yourself, once again, without a friend. The next real friend I had was a guy named Marlon Myers, who was a kid that lived across the street. He liked to camp out, I liked to camp out, and Marlon was uh, a lot of fun. We did a lot of things together, but he didn't have a lot of other friends himself, but I don't know, he and I hit it off for whatever reason. We were neighbors with each other. And we would walk to school together. Uh, we'd engage in projects. One time we built a hut out behind our house from <laughs> lumber that we had, I guess, stolen from people's uh, back alleys or some wood, some wood that had been you know, thrown out or was going to be disposed of. So we built this little hut in the back of the house. I don't know what mom did. She put up with a lot. And we would go camping. I liked to go camping when I was a boy. We'd camp out. But time passed, and Marlon grew older, and I graduated high school and went into sports and had a lot of different changes in my life. And so my friendship with Marlon uh, ended so after that, I thought, well, maybe I'll have to make some friends in college. And it turned out that over the course of my life, I can't really say that I've had a lot of close friends. And you may be like me. You, you might sometimes count the number of really close friends on one hand. They, they sometimes say that you only need six good friends. And that's three on each side for your, for your casket when you're and your life is over. Of course, that's uh, not the way we want to <laughs> develop friendships. Looking at this scripture today, we find uh, these words, if you want to put that on the screen there, Emily. Uh, a person who has many friends may be harmed by them, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Proverbs eighteen twenty four. The message today called Faithful Friends is 
I think an ideal that we would all like to achieve. I, I must tell you that it's sometimes very difficult to be a friend because of our tendency to be competitive with one another. Sometimes we actually don't have friends because, well, as they say, if you want friends, be friendly. And it requires something of us to have a friendship, a level of commitment on our part to, you know, to be able to reach out to somebody else. And many of us are reclusive and, you know, we don't want to risk the the likelihood of the chance that we'll be like rejected if we really open up and share with other people what our life is really about and how we really feel about things. I've discovered again and again and again and again and again that it's kind of dangerous to be honest with people. It's, it's disappointing, actually, sometimes so so disheartening, you know, when you think, well, I'll, uh, I'll just trust this person to be my friend and I'll actually tell them what I'm struggling with. I'll, I'll tell them what, what's on my mind and uh, tell them how I feel about some things that I wouldn't tell just anybody, but because they're my friend, I, I'm going to share with them uh, some of my inner thoughts, some of the things that I'm struggling with, some of the things I'm working through, only to find that after you've done this, uh, well, they weren't such a good friend after all, because either they say, well, I can't, I can't have an association with somebody like you, or uh, that's so uh, far out there that you're making me nervous. I don't want to get that much information. What do they call that? Too much information. <laughs> so what happens is we wind up basically living our lives in solitude. Am I the only one? Have you noticed? Have you noticed this? Looking at the scripture now, it says a person who has many friends may be harmed by them. And I think of that verse, and how does that apply to us? What, what's that mean when you have many friends, and it might be that your friends can hurt you? Is there anyone who can hurt us more than the people that we have trusted, the people we have loved? Is there anyone we can hurt more than the people who have trusted us and the people who have loved us? This is a really a very difficult message uh, to bring because I don't pretend for a minute to have always been the best of friends for others. Sometimes I feel that I might be the world's worst friend for you to have, but my intention and my goal is to improve my friendship uh, commitments to everybody in the world. And little by little, I, I think I'm getting better at it, although if I were honest, I would have to say I don't know that I have a whole lot of friends. How, how about you? I know you have associates, you have people you work with, you people you're around, but is there anybody that you really feel that close to that you are able to just be completely honest with and be completely yourself with? Well, those kinds of friends are pretty rare, aren't they? How could a friend harm you? We've talked about that a little bit, but notice this shift then from that which is undesirable and negative. It goes then into this part of the verse where it says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So while it might be that there are those who disappoint you, there is one who will never disappoint you. There are some words that 
were on a little plaque that Mama used to have in the house. I think I still have that somewhere. It says, Jesus never fails. I know in my own life I have I have failed other people as a friend of theirs. I, I hate to admit that, I, but I have to be honest with you and tell you that I've not always been the best of friends for someone else. I really wasn't there for them when they really needed me or were counting on me. And through my own self-interest or through my own negligence or busyness or whatever the case would have been, I just wasn't there. And looking back on it, you know, I, I feel bad about it and I regret that. So I just try to think, well, maybe I can do better in the future. So I'm made a, making a commitment. I would like for you to make this commitment with me this morning that let's all work together to to be better friends to other people. I think typically what we think of is, well, who could be my friend? I, I want a friend. I need a friend. I I long for friendship, and I'm convinced, as I think about this, that the best way to actually acquire friendships that are significant and hopefully lasting is to be a friend to them and to love and encourage them, and I think that it will be returned in kind. Typically, that's the way it works. So I've learned a few things about friendship and being a friend and not being a friend, unfortunately. And we have on the sign-out front the audacious title, Friends and Family Church. And I say it's audacious because it suggests that there should be actual friendships going on within the fellowship. And I do hope and pray that that will continue to occur. I think there is true friendship among us. I've, I know whenever I see any of you, it's truly a, a joy to me to see you. We ran into some of you the other day out at Walmart. We had a, had a good time. It was just like family being there. And up here in the front, we have this sign that says, Welcome Home. That, in that sense, like family getting together, it is uh, just a blessing to be part of a fellowship where you can really feel the love and the, the support. In the friendship of, the, of other people. One of the traits of our fellowship or of our church that has been reported many times is that we do have this friendship, this kind of family feel, this homely, home, I said homely, homey feel <laughs> that we're actually with other homely people. <laughs> no, that's not true. Other people who also feel at home. It's like last week with a band of people whose hearts have been touched by God. And there is that fellowship that we have with one another. The Apostle Paul talked about, he said, you know, truly our fellowship is with one another and with God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son. So as we've learned about friendship through our life experiences, then we look at the Scriptures, and the Scriptures teach us that sometimes our friends will disappoint us. It says right there that we may actually be harmed by some people who we consider friends. Then. Sadly, it, it is true. Let's just try the best we can to never be one of those who brings harm to another who considers us a friend. And for those that we may have injured or offended or hurt, we offer our, you know, I offer my sincere apologies. So I, uh, I can't go back and change it, but in the future, I can, I can do better. That's my plan. And I encourage you all to do the same because you probably have a similar story to tell. 
One of the things that I'd like to mention this morning is that we can't really expect a, a friend to provide for us all that we need. You know, a friend can't provide what only can come from them. We are certainly social creatures, and we need other people. And we've talked last week about how solitary confinement is the worst kind of punishment. But the reality is we are in this body walking down the valley kind of one by one, as the song was sung at my father's funeral. Going down the valley, going down the valley, we are going down the valley one by one. And it is true that while I look around me and I see others and I have others in my life, I realize that it's kind of a solo journey in many ways. And you may have felt this way as well. It's not that you don't value and desire to have relationships. You do. You want them very much. But when you get right down to it, who's responsible for your personal happiness? Who's responsible for your for your thoughts and for your actions? Well, it has to be you yourself. So I've decided, and I want you to do the same. I want you to decide this morning, if you haven't already, that you're just going to be personally happy. You're going to enjoy your life and celebrate each moment that you have. You're going to look at the green grass and enjoy it. Maybe take your shoes and socks off and walk in the dirt. <laughs> Something that you really ought to do. Look up at the blue, beautiful sky and those white, wispy clouds that I'm looking at right now. These beautiful trees in the shade on this bright, sunny day. And just celebrate life and be thankful for the breath you have and for the beating of your heart. So much to be thankful for. We're personally responsible for our own personal happiness. And I encourage you to, to be, if you will, your own best friend and not be so hard on yourself but to enjoy your life and value and treasure every moment that God gives you. Because friends can't do some of these things. You have to do them for yourself. As we think about friendship, there are three little points I'd like to make about them, and then we'll wrap up our message for this morning. And I'd like to thank you for your attention here. First of all, I noticed that friends are fragile. Friendships are fragile. As I said, uh, when Dwayne and I were friends, you know, we were buddies walking down the hall arm in arm. It was great. But um, the friendship didn't last because he moved away. So it's temporary. And when I say fragile, that means, you know, it may not always be there. Another point I would say about friendships is that they're conditional, and I've mentioned this just a moment ago, but conditional in the sense that I'll be your friend as long as you meet my expectations, as long as you don't disappoint me, as long as you don't say or do anything that irritates me or makes me angry. So friendships can be very surface in that respect because we wouldn't dare you know, really speak the truth, so we have this quasi-friendship, if you will. And you have to be careful about who you talk to and what you tell other people. You can't just open your heart and share your deepest thoughts with, with someone. It's a very dangerous thing to do. You have to be very careful to do that. So most of our friendships are conditional. 
we, in other words, we'll measure out a degree of friendship for a while, and then we'll drain it back in when it gets a little too scary, and a little too unsafe to be a friend, to allow someone into your world. It's really a complex thing, and as I said, the title friendship, it sounds so, well, everybody knows what that is, but when you get right into it and start looking at some of these dimensions of it, you realize, you know what, it's not as simple as it seems. And then the final thing, and I think it's kind of like a fragile thing, and that is friendships are temporary, as is life. All of life is temporary. Everything is temporary. Nothing lasts forever. And that's why we should make the best of every day and seek to be the best friend that you can be to other people. Jesus now comes to mind as we think in our concluding moments here together and how Jesus befriended other people. First of all, I noticed that Jesus sought out friends. He wound up with at least a, a dozen friends, and one of them was a devil, it says in the Scripture, but at least he had a group of friends. And like many times in life, his friends disappointed him. The Scriptures say that well, he told them, he said, now tonight all of you are going to betray me, all of you are going to deny me because of what's happening in the situation that we're in. And sure enough, they all abandoned him in his time of greatest need. So it has been pointed out this morning in my thoughts as I reflected on this, that sometimes in the time of your greatest need, you're going to be, you're going to be looking up for a friend and you may not have that many standing around you except for this one passage of Scripture where it says, your friends may disappoint you, they may even harm you, but there is one who will never harm you. There is one who will stick closer to you than a brother, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Scriptures say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And those words from the Lord himself bring such comfort to us. And so... In the midst of your worst time, in the midst of your greatest disappointment, in the midst of your greatest struggle, when you feel that you have failed in so many ways and can never truly be an acceptable person to other people, for example, if you have those periods of depression and doubt about your own identity and your own value, remember this passage that says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and Jesus does not abandon us. Jesus never fails us. He makes allowances for us. He forgives us. He knows how it feels to be a human being. He has suffered every temptation that you and I suffer, and yet he got through them and he will help us to get through them as well. So Jesus is our guide. He he sought out people. It wasn't like he became a recluse and just sat home and was afraid of anybody. No, he went out knowing that his, his proposed friends were going to be flawed. He knew they would be human. He knew they would be faint and frail and tired and sleepy, and they wouldn't always be there for him. But nonetheless, he went out to seek them. And he found them, and he made their lives better. My thought on this for us would be, who is there around that you and I 
could actually make their life better by associating with them, by seeking them out, by befriending them. Not that they're going to provide that much benefit to you or to me, but that we might be a friend to them. And I think in Jesus' case, he was that was his main thought. I, it wasn't that he needed them as much as they needed him. To me, it's like the greatest purpose in life is when you know that you can actually help somebody else be happier, be more fulfilled, be believe in themselves more, realize that God is merciful and that God loves them, and so do we. It's so important that we are agents of the love of Christ. Now, sometimes it turns out that in this effort, you won't do it so perfectly. There will be those who say, oh, he's a friend of sinners, you know. I've always said if he's a friend of sinners, that makes him a friend of mine. But let's not be afraid to befriend the people who may be imperfect. They don't have to be so beautiful. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be ideal. Because we're not being friends with them because we need them, but we become their friends because they need friends. They need us. In other words, we are like Christ himself as we move out into our society and into our community with a spirit of friendship. So here is the final thought. Who is your friend? Because we all would love to have a good friend. And the answer, of course, is Jesus Christ, friend of sinners, which makes him a friend of yours. Be a friend as best you can. And when you have Jesus in your life and in your heart and you believe in him and you've received him as your personal Savior and friend, then you are empowered and energized by the gift of his Holy Spirit to actually reach out and share that love and that mercy, that grace, that forbearance, making those allowances for other people, not condemning them just as Jesus didn't condemn them, but helping people to rise up out of the miry clay and out of that terrible pit where they may be. You never know what people are going through. And it isn't about how much money they have or how many possessions they have, not even about their fame and popularity. It's often the case that people are living a life alone, and what they really need is just for somebody to be a friend to them for no ulterior motive, but just simply to listen, to encourage, to love that person because it's person is a child of God, created by God. So would you be that person for someone else, and would you allow Jesus to be your best friend? And as you do this, you give your life. As Jesus said, you lay down your life for my sake, you will find it. And if you lay down your life for the sake of other people, and you seek to be at all times the best friend you can be to others, I'm convinced that it may be very true the end of your life, that there will be many people who will look at you and say, she was my dear, dear friend, maybe even my best friend, or he was a wonderful friend to me, and I will never forget him, how he helped me through my hard times, how much it meant to me when I was going through those difficult days. Someone who 
understood me, someone who made allowances for me, and someone who never abandoned me. That is the promise of Jesus Christ to us. Let's do our best to make that a promise to those around us. Would you join with me in that commitment today, and would you pray with me together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, for these people who are here. We ask your blessing on this congregation, these wonderful, wonderful people that you have given to have fellowship with this morning, to be in your presence together, the fellowship we have, the friendship we have because of you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being a friend of ours. We who do not deserve it, you have befriended us. We came here to worship your holy name, unworthy to be here, and yet we came. Because you said, I love you, and I'll always be your friend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And now we'll hear Anjanelle and Steve with the next song. All the people said, amen. Hey, thanks so much, Larry. Still there? Yes, that provided great background. If you are lonely when you feel afraid, you're not the only. We are all the same in need of mercy to be forgiven and be free. It's all you've got to lean on, but thank God it's all you need. All right. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. If you're rich or poor, well, it don't matter. Weak or strong, you know love is what we're after. We're all broken, but we're all in this together. God knows we stumble and fall. And he so loved the world, he sent a son to save us all. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. And give thanks to the Lord. 
his love never ends and all the people said amen blessed are the poor in spirit who are torn apart blessed are the persecuted and the pure in heart blessed are the people hungry for another star for this is the kingdom the kingdom of god and all the people said amen Whoa, and all the people said amen and give thanks to the lord for his love never ends and all the people said amen let's do it again and all the people said amen Whoa, and all the people said amen and give thanks to the lord for his love never ends and all the people said amen oh yeah and all the people said amen Thank you. Well, you all have a blessed one of the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the, enjoy the weather and um, be safe in whatever you're doing uh, this week. And take care. God bless. And thank you, Steve, so thank much you. for singing. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.